Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Hi. Siri. Welcome to High Theory. In this podcast, we get high on the substance of theory. I'm Kim Adams. And I'm Sharonik Boshu. We are two tired academics trying to save critique from itself. So we are here today with Chad Hegelmeyer, and Chad is going to tell us all about the unreliable narrator. But before that, we want to hear from Chad about Chad. Yeah, um, I am Chad Hegelmeyer. I recently graduated from the PhD program at NYU um, in English, and uh, am going to be starting as a postdoc there in September. My field is 20th century and contemporary American literature, and um, my dissertation was about fact-checking in literature, so we might see some ways in which this, uh, the topic of the unreliable narrator is somewhat related to the idea of fact-checking. Yeah, I mean, so we, we have talked about your work previously, and for uh, people who are listening, Chad and I, we shared an office space at one time, so yes. <laughs> uh, that was brilliant. Uh, I'm just going to uh, you know, jump right ahead and ask you, what the heck is an unreliable narrator? Yeah. So actually, when I was talking to Kim about being a guest on your great show, I wasn't even sure if an unreliable narrator would be a good topic because it's not really a high theory term, although it's definitely a literary theoretical term. Um, but it's also one of those terms that I think a lot of people think they know what it means. It seems obvious that it's just a narrator that you don't trust. But it's actually a little more like subtly complicated than that. So um, it is a, I mean, it is a really sort of, uh, when I grade my students' papers, I, it's a really popular sort of idea with even amongst my students and see unreliable narrators as something that they can bank on, sort of. Yeah, I have found that to be the case too. It's like actually one of those popularized literary terms, right? Um, but yeah, it has this quite specific meaning. And even though it seems like a concept that must have existed in literature, maybe since the beginning of time, <laughs> um, as a term, uh, it isn't coined until 1961 in the U.S., so it has this like specific history in literary criticism as well that we can get into. But so, like to give a really basic definition, an unreliable narrator. What it originally meant was a narrator whose perspective or worldview is implied by the text to diverge from the author's. So the unreliable narrator is one that the text wants us to read as wrong in some way, whether that's factually wrong or morally wrong or philosophically wrong. Right. And the standard by which we judge the wrongness or unreliability of the narrator is by 
what we as readers perceive to be the author's worldview, values, or norms based on the text that we're reading. Right. So you have like you create like a split in the like a very easy equation between like the, an equation of authenticity between author and and text. Right. And so it sort of it's like it's it fits that this was come up in the 60s. People <laughs> 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 would say that, no, that's bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's this moment after, uh, and we don't have to get too far into this, but it's this moment after new criticism when people are thinking more rhetorically about literary texts. And so they're become, they're, you know, we start getting these conversations about the death of the author and implied authors and things like that. So, um, so, so yeah, I mean, one of the reasons that the unreliable narrator is a really tricky topic or, or concept is that it relies on this idea of an implied author, um, which we can get into more in a second. Sorry, I mean, I distracted you. So can you just give us the coinage now? Yeah, yeah, let's jump into it. So um, it's coined by Wayne C. Booth in his 1961 book, The Rhetoric of Fiction. Um, and um, I mean, one, so before we jump into this, do we, like, should we define narrator a little bit? I think even narrator is like... Yeah, uh, sit down and figure out what a narrator is. I mean, I'll, I'll, I can do this very quickly because, you know, even the narrator can be a tricky concept. We don't want to get it too tricky since we're going to get tricky in the unreliability, unreliability part in a second. I think that the easiest way of distinguishing or of defining a narrator is to go back to Plato and like the classical distinction um, between two modes of representation, drama and narrative. So it's the difference between directly showing a story and indirectly telling or reporting a story. So in drama, you know, you have like, you think of a, a play or a movie, you have figures that you're watching act out um, the story. But in a narrative, someone is telling you that story. It's coming from one person. That person is the source or mediator of the story. And that is the narrator, right? The figure or the instance within the text that is the source and mediator of the story. Um, so Gerard Jeanette, uh, the famous narratologist, will say that the narrator is the answer to the question, who speaks or who is speaking when I read this text? I don't remember teaching the concept of the narrator in this way, but sort of a dramaturgical explanation really helps. Uh, I'm going to ask you my next question because I think that'll help you sort of sink your teeth into the unreliability bit, which is how do we use an unreliable narrator? <laughs> yes. So this is sort of a tricky question for the unreliable narrator because I think that it's such a specifically literary concept, right? So you're only really going to use it when you're when you're reading literature. But it's interesting because Wayne Booth does sort of describe the unreliable narrator as both a feature of a text and a kind of mode of reading that it that it prompts or that it incites. This is what he says. This is reading from his book, The Rhetoric of Fiction. For lack of better terms, I have called a narrator reliable when he speaks for or acts in accordance with the norms of the work, which is to say the implied author's norms unreliable when he does not. So we use the unreliable narrator when we try to make distinctions between what the narrator is telling us and what we presume to be um, the norms or values of the author as implied by the text itself. Right. I mean, yes, it's it originates in literary criticism, but obviously this has sort of massive, massive repercussions in rhetoric writ large. Yes. And... Uh, so yeah, I mean, if, if you can just sort of pivot towards that. 
For sure. I mean, so a key feature of a key rhetorical feature um, of of the unreliable narrator is irony. So Booth has this really fascinating passage where he describes the point of the unreliable narrator being to help the reader and the implied author collude against the narrator. So I'll just read what he says because it's great. Irony is always in part a device for excluding as well as for including. And those who are included, those who happen to have the necessary information to grasp the irony, cannot but derive at least a part of their pleasure from a sense that others are excluded. In the irony with which we are concerned, the speaker is himself the butt of the ironic point, the speaker being the narrator. The author and reader are secretly in collusion behind the narrator's back, agreeing upon the standard by which he is found wanting. So it's it's, it's like a pleasurable thing, supposed to be, according to Booth, where we we judge the narrator with the author, where we're in the know, where we're sort of in the same position as the author with respect to this unknowing or fallible or unreliable narrator. This is like this is really interesting, which is like this sort of idea of agreement or consensus between author and reader in order to sort of scapegoat the narrator. And that is something, or sort of the maneuvering in that way in order to produce irony is something that is sort of uh, the mainstay of much of Twitter uh, right now. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, so I do want to make an important distinction here because, you know, it's kind of tempting to say that you know, for instance, like Donald Trump is an unreliable, unreliable narrator, or, you know, someone else that we're politically suspicious of is an unreliable narrator. But it's not really the case, right? It's not the case. Or rather, I should just say, like, Donald Trump is just someone whose speech we can't trust, right? Which is different right. from an unreliable narrator, which is the assumption of a narrator who expresses beliefs um, or professes, professes things that you actually do not, right? So in a way, it's a bit like an extended form of sarcasm, where you're adopting this mask that says the opposite of what you actually yourself believe to be the case. Yeah. Uh, so my last question is, and I'm really, really excited about your answer to this question is how will the unreliable narrator save the world? I have <laughs> never been asked this question before. No, <laughs> I definitely haven't. Um, I mean, I think my first inclination is to say it won't. <laughs> um, um, I mean, I think there's even a question about whether the unreliable narrator is actually making the world a worse place, right? Like one thing we could ask ourselves is whether the pleasure we gain from colluding with the implied author against the narrator is an ethical one or like one that we should be partaking in, you know? But I think it is a way to explore or to have access to certain viewpoints or worldviews that might be really difficult to assess and judge and access otherwise. So. I mean, using um, Lolita as a good example, Humbert Humbert, for anyone who hasn't read Lolita, Humbert Humbert is the narrator and he is a pedophile who serially rapes a young girl over the course of like a year in the novel. And it's awful because um, it's written from his point of view. Um, and he claims many times that this is basically like, you know, a straightforward love story. And it's even more disturbing because the way Nabokov writes Humbert Humbert's narration, it's sometimes genuinely beautiful, insightful, and profound. And of course, at the same time, it's horrifying, monstrous, and despicable. So I think an example like this can show the ways in which unreliable narration goes to 
some of the mysteries of cognition and awareness, you know, like how can a person know or understand one thing so well and be so wrong about something else? And it also addresses lots of questions about like to what extent or whether we can pull apart aesthetic form and ideological content. I think it also gets to the heart of this desire for there to be some kind of like moral judgment in our narration and stories. I think we live in an age now where we we kind of don't want our stories to have like these overt or obvious moral dimensions, but we also do, <laughs> right? I think that the unreliable narrator gets particularly tricky in moments where people feel like there are multiple claims on reality, right? Where like reality feels fragmented or difficult to understand. And there seems to be these like competing understandings of what's going on. Because in those cases, you can get unreliable narrators where like some people read straightforwardly and literally, and then other people read as an unreliable narrator, right? I mean, this seems to be going, this seems to be what's going on when, you know, two people read a Breitbart article and one goes away horrified and one goes away being like, yeah, that was the truth. In historical moments like that, I think it's true that the unreliable narrative becomes a very tricky, a, a, a tricky form of satire right, or irony to employ. Often, not always, but often extreme forms of unreliable narration are meant to shock readers, right? So, you know, think of Humbert Humbert and Lolita or even... Um, for a slightly more recent example, the narrator Patrick Bateman in American Psycho, who's an extreme sadist, um, and we're not supposed to read that book as like a fun romp through torture and cannibalism, right? We're supposed to read it as like horrifying and disturbing. Um, so I think in moments of extreme political or social divisiveness, you do sort of need a more extreme or more blatant form of unreliable narration if you want it to be read, if you want to guarantee that it's read that way. Yeah, it's it's a subtle technique, right? And so when subtlety is is not really of the moment, <laughs> like it is right now in our political culture, it can be difficult to employ. Okay. Thank you so much, Chad. Thank you for talking to us about The Unreliable Narrator. Of course. Thank you for having me. And thank you for listening to High Theory. If you like our podcast, please review and subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, Patreon, or wherever you get your podcast fix. You can also find us at hightheory.net. Owen Quinn composes our theme music, and Kim Adams and Sharonic Bosu edit our audio. We hope you have a highly theoretical day. <laughs> <laughs>